Channel podcast. Annie Marie Corte is a Finnish 100 metre hurdler. On her website, there's a quote. It says, if you tell me it's impossible, I will show you a miracle. She's had so many medical conditions, she literally can't remember all of them. By 2015, two very rare conditions meant she was fighting for her life. She was allergic to most food. She struggled to even swallow water. The other condition is often misdiagnosed as a heart attack because the pain is that strong. This meant she was bedridden, her athletics dreams on hold. She was just hoping to survive with her life. Now she's qualified for Tokyo 2020 and was a semi-finalist at the World Championships in Doha. Her triumph against the odds is truly remarkable. As a teenager, the first major injury she struggled with was her back. So that's where we began. Olympic Channel Podcast. Hello, Annie Marie. So let's start with your back. You were 14 and you had really, really bad back pain. Even at school, like I couldn't sit in like the school lessons the full time because sitting was hurting so much. I could only sit or stand like five minutes at a time most of the time, and it was really hard. Even like normal life was really hard. And then training, like some days I could train, some weeks I couldn't train at all. And yeah, and it just kept getting worse since I was 14 years old. And it turned the worst when I was 19. I had surgery on my back, Swedish doctor fixed it in like five minutes, the whole operation took and yeah. And then... Um, well I that was important, wasn't it? Because that, that, that meant that, that that back pain had, had gone. Yeah. So you're, you're flipping about that now, but at the time that was super, super, that was yeah. life changing basically. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, because for seven years I've been in horrible pain and nobody could help. And then hundreds of doctors said like, there's nothing they can do. And he was the only one who said, like, he will try something. So I flew to Sweden the next day when he saw my MRI in some conference. And next day he fixed my back. And one month later I was feeling better. So I went to San Diego State University in the U.S. And then I continued to Clemson University in the U.S. And I was there until 2011. And even there I had really bad injuries and I couldn't compete or train most of the time. But then 2012, I had just finished my master's degree in London. Yeah, so then I had already been sick for a while. Like I had really bad pain on my sternum and I was sick, like flu kind of symptoms all the time. And I had fever and I had been choking on almost all food since 2009. So that That's, it, it, sorry, <laughs> can't just keep, keep going. Like. Choking on all foods yeah. since 2009. So, well, mostly at first it was just like when I was eating like rice or broccoli, I was every time I was choking on it. And then it started getting worse and I started when I was eating meat, I was choking and it was like almost once a week. And 2012, it started getting worse. So then I started getting fever. And for the next three years, I was choking and I had fever all the time. <laughs> and at the same time, I had this horrible pain on my sternum. Like, I can break a bone and I'm not crying. But this pain on my sternum and also at the same time in my stomach with the disease I also had, 
they were so bad, like I can, I can be like laying on the floor crying because the pain was so bad and nothing was helping. And yeah, that lasted the next three years. So I wasn't training for the next, yeah, next three years I wasn't training at all. And I was trying to work, but even work, like I was visiting hospitals every two, two days. So I was only doing like freelance work and I was living with my parents the whole time I was sick and just going to the hospitals and trying to do the work I could do. And at that point, I wasn't even dreaming of like running. So 2014, I, for two years, I still tried to run when I was sick. And 2014, I gave up running like completely because I was too sick. And was that like a slow process that you didn't even really notice? Or was that like a light bulb moment where you were just like, I can't do this anymore? No, it was definitely a really slow process since I started getting really sick in 2012. And it took me two years to finally like give up running. So even times like I couldn't like walk upstairs, like I was too tired to walk upstairs without like resting in the middle of it. And I still wanted to keep running. But then eventually 2015 was when it got so bad that, well, for six months I had like 40 degree fever and I couldn't even swallow water. So that was the point when I was like, I just want to be healthy. Like I don't care about running and I just want to be healthy. It wasn't just her athletics career that was on hold. It was her entire life. Two separate diseases causing complete havoc with Annie Marie's body. This, there was two different ones here. Yeah. One was, it's called Tietze syndrome. So it causes like inflammation in the sternum, in the cartilage. And that causes pain identical to a heart attack. So often it's misdiagnosed as a heart attack. Wow, so you, you, you have experienced the pain of, of multiple heart attacks, that, That's what the doctors say. And normally it lasts only a few weeks and sometimes it's chronic. So it lasts a long time. For me, it lasted three and a half years. And I think that's what was confusing the doctors because at the same time I had this other disease and they both are like inflammations. The other one was um, eosinophilic esophagitis. So it causes inflammation in the esophagus and it's like... The Which is, your, is, the, is the throat, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, where the, the food goes, yeah. yeah. So it causes a swelling and that's why the food gets stuck there because it's like swollen. And those both were like inflammations at the same time in different places. And that was confusing doctors so much because like all they can see in a blood test is inflammation. They take biopsies of my sternum and my stomach and esophagus and all they see is like white blood cells, that's inflammation, but nothing else. So they were at the same time, like later on when you think about the diseases, like they're clear that they are those, but because those were both happening at the same time, it's really confusing for the doctors. Yeah. But most of all, extremely painful for you. But yeah, I, I it was you know, very not painful. ideal. Yeah, it's crazy to even think about it now. Like, it was very painful. The hardest thing was the doctors didn't know what's wrong. So it was really bad for like three years in 2012 until 2015. And doctors didn't know what's wrong. Like, the worst point was November 2015 when I was so sick, like, I couldn't get up from bed. I was like, laying in bed, I can't even move. I gained 15 kilos of weight at the time. And yeah, I was hoping to be healthy. And even that was like, I didn't know if I was ever gonna be healthy. 
By, by, and by healthy there, you mean alive, really? Yeah, yeah, and being able to live a normal life, yeah. I wasn't thinking about running at all. <laughs> so you were working as a, as a sports journalist then, um, covering athletics, yeah. whilst dealing with this yeah. ridiculous... Yeah. high pain were you on like kind of pills like what was the sort of situation kind of medication wise uh well i was eating this really strong painkiller tramadol but yeah it pretty much makes you not feel much so it for sure like it was affecting like maybe how i'm like interacting with people too because like i'm might be a little bit like high all the time like that's what the doctors were actually saying like it makes you like feel like not normal, so. By 2016 though, Annie Marie had finally started to get on top of her physical health problems. The doctors figured out that it wasn't one thing that she had, but two, and so treatment could start on the two diseases. She was on immunotherapy and things were looking up. She moved to Barcelona to start her life once more. After I started getting better, that was January 2016. I was like, I just want to like work like a stress-free job and live by the beach. So I moved to Portugal. I worked there for one year. And then I moved to Barcelona just to work as like an editor. And when I was living in Barcelona, uh, Dutch decathlete, Elko Sintingolas, he was there in training camp and he was like, just come run hurdles with me one day at the track. I was like, okay, it's fun. I live like five minutes from the track. So I just went to try run the hurdles. I had to move them like more than one meter closer than they normally are because there was no way I could make it there. But I still managed to get over the hurdles pretty decently. Even like, I was probably running like 15 second hundred meters at the time or 16, like really slow, but it was fun. So a week later I came back alone just to, yeah, just enjoy running hurdles. And that, that was the point when I had been like healthy for six months. So I was able to like start training or doing some other sports a little bit more. And I was enjoying it and then I went for the third time, and that time some FC Barcelona as athletes asked if I want to join their training group. And I was like, yeah, maybe that would be fun. Maybe I'll train two or three times a week and maybe try to qualify for the Finnish Nationals. Yeah. You're back on track. Mm. You're having a wonderful time. You're happy. Yeah. At least it seems. Because <laughs> in 2018, uh, I saw that you were suffering some anxiety and started to get some kind of panic attacks yeah so i've been having panic attacks since i had was in a car accident in 2005 but then in well, 2017 i kept training and well training after work i was working nine hours a day and training after and 2018 i had decided i well, 2017, I had decided I will qualify to the European Championships 2018. So I kept training after work. And in January 2018, I was robbed for the third time in a year in Barcelona. So I started having really bad anxiety and panic attacks. I, I was in a sick leave from work for three months. And I also, I broke my foot on the same week when I was robbed 
it was before, like a few days before, and my first competition of the season in the middle of the race. <laughs> and so that was also stressful that I broke my foot and then I was wrapped and it was really hard because like, well, they took everything, like all my keys, my IDs, they broke my motorcycle, all the money I had, everything. So it was very stressful. And so three months I couldn't work because I was having so bad anxiety and panic attacks. And I still wanted to compete. So I wasn't training. I couldn't train with the broken foot, but I went to competitions with the broken foot just to run, just to like try to get some happiness out of it. And after the three months, like I wasn't getting any better with my anxiety and panic attacks. And I was thinking like, if I want to make my dream of running for Finland at the major champions come true, like I can stay in Barcelona. Like Barcelona was, uh, it just felt, it didn't feel good to be there. So I was like, I had to move out of Barcelona. And I wanted to really try to qualify for the Europeans. So then when I was thinking like, where should I move? and I have two dogs and it was really hard to move out of Spain with the dogs. So I was like, I just need to go somewhere in Spain and I ask everybody who is the best coach in Spain for hurdles. And all my friends said that my coach is. And Valencia was only three hour drive away. So in March 2018, I packed everything and quit my job and moved to Barcelona with my dog. No, moved from Barcelona to Valencia with my dogs. It's a big, it's a big, it's like it's excited isn't it when it's all packed up in the car and everyone's like ready to go but there's a, there is a certain moment where it's like uh oh uh -oh, am i doing the right thing it was very stressful yeah i had a nice job like steady job in barcelona and i quit it i had to try to live with whatever i had saved until the summer and i i didn't have any backup plan like you can't find a job if you don't speak perfect english no perfect spanish in in Valencia, so English not enough in Valencia. And um, yeah, I was thinking like, okay, I have to qualify to the European Championships and then I will be able to train like full time as an athlete. So a few months I was living with whatever savings I had and with no what, backup what plan. Kind of, what kind of savings did you have? Did you have? Is, you oh, not nothing, just enough to pay my rent until like July <laughs> when I had to qualify for the European Championships. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it really was all or nothing on those European yeah, championships. Yeah. Take your marks. Set. First things first, though, Annie Marie had to go back to Finland to run the time to make the European Championships. In the final, the top three went through. That also made it even harder because we had such a good level of hurdles in Finland. We had four girls who had the qualifying standard and it was top three from Finnish nationals who go. So we had to have trials. There's never before been trials in hurdles in Finland. So we had to have trials. And even when I moved to Valencia, like I tore my quad four times in the first three months. So I wasn't training much. I ran hurdles for two weeks before the first race of the season. And I, I really don't know how I managed to run what I ran 13.30 in the first competition. And then I ran 13.14, 13.25 was the standard. A few weeks later, I had been like running hurdles for like four weeks at that point when I ran 13.14. And then Finnish Nationals, um, they were in July. And that was, it was really stressful because yeah, only top three goes, so we have four girls with the qualifying mark. And then 
Well, I didn't, when I went to the blocks at the Finnish Nationals, I was like, okay, I already lost this, like, I'm going to be fourth. I didn't believe in myself at really? all. Really? Yeah. So after all that, <laughs> yeah. after all the things that you'd thought, yeah. you thought you were, you had, that, like, the negativity had taken over? Yeah, at that point it was, like, normally I'm very positive, but that it was like, I can't have something so good. And <laughs> and I, I even started really bad, like, at the second hurdle, I was still thinking, like, okay, I already lost. And then eventually I was second. My the end of my race is always good, so I I was second and I qualified to the Europeans, and that was like okay now it was all worth it. Like everything that happened in a few months, like with all the anxiety, panic attacks, torn quads, everything it was worth it. Getting to the European Championships after everything that you've been through there is just a huge, huge achievement, isn't it? And so and it's life-changing for you basically because that's the moment that you're a, basically a professional athlete yeah that that's what changed everything so i qualified there and i knew like okay next year like i can train professionally it's not going to be easy because i wasn't that good <laughs> but i'm going to be able to train like full time for the first time in my life and first time in my life i was kind of healthy kind of kind of yeah Is i only had hard? a hamstring injury that I still have, but otherwise I was healthy. So for me, that's a lot. But you still have all the allergies and stuff like that, right? Yeah. You're still on a very strict diet even yeah, now. Yeah, so I also I also had immunotherapy last year for two of my allergies. And I think that's been affecting a little bit on training because it makes you a little tired. So I finished those in May this year, the immunotherapies, and they've been helping a lot. So my allergies are a little bit better, but I, they're still there, they're never gonna go away. Uh, with the eating, uh, so I'm allergic to almost all food. So that was the thing about the allergies. Like, I was actually allergic to everything I was eating, and that's what was making me sick for years. And that's why my esophagus had the inflammation. But so, yeah. so what are you eating now then? What is it? What's what's been the switch? Um, well, I can't eat any cereals, so I can't eat bread or pasta or pizza, anything like that. I'm allergic to soy, peanuts, fish. Um, most vegetables and fruits, I can only eat them if they're cooked. But the immunotherapy now, that's been helping a little bit, so I can eat some fruits. Despite the allergies, Annie Marie was actually in good shape physically. It seemed like a realistic goal to make the time to be at the 2019 World Championships in Doha. Her big plan was to break under the 13 second mark in Finland at the national championships. January, I was in really good shape and I tore my hamstring. So even that was like a moment like, okay, I was telling everybody I'm running on the 13 this summer and everybody was like, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's not gonna happen. I tore my hamstring, missed the whole indoor season. And then I was still believing that I'm gonna run on the 13. That's been my dream since I was 14 years old. And yeah, June 5th, I, so I came to Finland three days before the race. My coach said I need one, more, one extra race, so I just decided three days before I'm coming. And he knew like I was gonna run fast. And, and that race, um, there was a lot of headwind. So in the, in the prelims, we didn't run that well because there was a lot of headwind. Even at the final, this headwind, I'm, I suck at running into headwind. So I was like, I'm not gonna run a good time. Maybe I'm gonna run like 13.10. Then I had no expectations. I finished the race and I see the 12.92. It was corrected to 12.93 later. 
but yeah, I couldn't believe it. I the, everything like okay, it's headwind. I wasn't thinking I can run fast. And first time running under 13 seconds, qualifying to Doha, like. Yeah, I've been waiting for the moment since last year. Like I knew I can do it, but it was still kind of unbelievable to do it. That's in, it's so it's insane that that time then qualified Doha, meaning the World Championships, and that's you're up there with the very very best in the entire world to come from. You know where you were and where that like two, 2017 <laughs> in London. You you weren't anywhere close to running those those no, those I was times. Thirteen five at that point. And yeah. then if you go to Rio twenty sixteen, I the, wasn't running. I wasn't barely walking. <laughs> and now you're going to the Olympics. Yeah, that was definitely another crazy moment. So twelve nine, okay, I ran that. Then I was thinking like, okay, if I run a perfect race, I can maybe run twelve eight. Then in July. I, well, first I ran a couple times 12.8, and then 24th of July, I ran the 12.72, which is the Finnish national record now, and qualified to the Olympics. 12.84, that was my goal for the race, 12.84, because I ran 12.86 and 12.87 the week before, and I just wanted to run 12.84 to get to the Olympics. That, that was, would be my biggest dream, to compete at the Olympics. And then I see the time, which was 72 and finished national record. Like, it's still hard for me to believe that actually happened. <laughs> it took me many weeks to actually realize that was me. Yeah, well, it was crazy. I was looking at time like, it can't be. It's 12.72. I thought that our national record was 12.81 before. I was thinking, like, there's no way I can do that. Like, I haven't been training full time. I'm getting any funding ever. Like, how would I be able to do it? I barely went to the physio the last year because I couldn't afford it. <laughs> And then breaking the national record, it was, yeah, something I, I could never even dream of. Have you had some kind of like big old cries with mum and, and stuff like that back at home? And have you got like, have you managed to have like a super emotional moment about winning uh, to um, get through? After all these like biggest moments in races, I'm very emotional after it, like I'm crying a lot. But then like after this, I went to the doping test and to my hotel and I was like, okay, well, that happened. <laughs> like, it didn't really feel like much, like, after a crazy moment, it didn't feel like much. And then I watched the race one time, the whole program, in middle of the night after the race, and that's when, that's the only time I was actually crying again after. But after that, I was still feeling, like, sad. I saw my parents the next day, they came to pick me up on a train, and I was just, like, tired and kind of, like, sad. And for the next three weeks, I was like feeling like it can't be me. Like I was looking at it. I was looking at the race like that's not me. Like it can't be. And it was crazy to feel like you should be happy about something good that you've done, something you achieved. But I couldn't be happy about it. At first, I felt like I like stole somebody's national record. That was like a weird feeling to me. Like I felt bad about that. And then I was looking also like I can't run 1272. Like it's not possible for me. And that lasted a few weeks, so my next two races were horrible. <laughs> like, I had nationals the week later, and I felt like I wasn't there. Like, I left from the blocks, like, a step after everybody, and, yeah, I just wasn't there, like, mentally at all. Then I had the Super League in Butchgott a couple of weeks later, and even there I was still, like, not there. Like, 
I wasn't like mentally there at all. It's funny because everyone wants their dreams to come true. Yeah, everyone wants their dreams to come true, but when it actually happens, it's like, what now? Like, what are you expecting now? And it's, I think many people don't realize, like, I, even in Finland, people are saying, like, I was so dramatic. I'm like, what? You've been dreaming of something for 20 years? Like, you can't act how you feel at that point. But then, yeah, it's crazy that after it feels like, okay, what's happening now? Like, you achieved everything you ever dreamed of. Like, I never had bigger dreams than those, qualifying to the Olympics. And the national record, I only started dreaming about it one week before. Because one week before I ran 12.8, I was like, okay, maybe I can do it. But I, it was never my dream, actually, to break the national record. Annie Marie made the semi-finals in Doha. And, injury permitting, of course, she is aiming to be at the final at Tokyo 2020. After Doha was all done, I gave her another call to ask why she never gave up hope when the world just seemed to be against her. You have to believe that everything everything is possible. And, like, I believe that everything is possible. I, whatever I came across, like, it always turned out to be better at the end. So... Yeah, every, it happened every time, like every time something bad happened, it turned out to something better. So you have to believe that the bad things are going to turn out to be great things at the end. Like they give you strength for to achieve what you didn't think is possible. Despite everything, you never gave up, even though you came close to the edge. Why did you believe? I it's really hard like I feel like maybe it's just my maybe believe in myself in a way that I know like I'm capable of much more than I have shown and also with the hurdles just my love for hurdles like hurdles has been the number one thing in my life since I was 14 years old and for me like I loved hurdles. I know, like, I have not shown what I can do, and that's been that's been the one thing. And also, for me, in a little motivation is that many people tell me I can't do it, and when somebody tells me I can't do it, I'm so stubborn. I have to I have to show I can do it. <laughs> so that's also been a been a little like motivation for me for not to give up like I know what I'm capable of and it just gives me motivation when other people don't believe in it and I want to show that yes I am capable of anything. <laughs> Annie Marie it's been amazing to talk to you and catch up with you again thank you very much. Thank you. Olympic, Olympic Channel, Channel podcast. Big, big thanks to Annie Marie. Thanks also to Evelyn Water for this interview. You can follow Annie Marie on Instagram. Her handle is A-N-N-I-M-A-R-I-K-K. And if you enjoyed her story and got inspired, go tell her on her Instagram. You can follow Olympic Channel too. We're just at Olympic Channel. I am at Eddie Knowles with an I and an E. We are taking the podcast to Lausanne in Switzerland for the Youth 
Olympic Games. We will be doing a daily podcast from January the 10th, so hit subscribe for that every single day. We are going to be asking people random last questions. Okay, last question. So if you have some ideas for last questions that are going to confuse and amuse, then send them in to us. Use the hashtag Olympic Channel Podcast or give us a DM. If you need some inspiration, I asked Annie Marie a seasonal one. Are you on the naughty or the nice list? Definitely nice this year. Yeah, I've been really good. <laughs> That's one of the main things. I try to be kind to people. I wish people would be kind to everybody. You don't know what other people are struggling with, so you have to be nice to everybody. Okay, last question. Can you do better? I think you can. Send us your suggestions and I will give you a shout out on the podcast if you are successful. Remember, hit subscribe for more of these inspirational stories every single week. Leave us a five-star review on the podcast app as well. That would be absolutely super. That is it for now, though. See you very soon. Think like an Olympian.